Welcome to the podcast of Unity Fort Worth. In it, you'll hear this week's message and meditation. If you'd like to hear and see the complete service, you can always find it at unityfortworth.org or on the Unity Fort Worth Facebook page. Unity Fort Worth focuses on positive and practical Christianity with a willingness to explore the entire world of religion and spiritual thought. Unity Fort Worth streams live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Thanks for listening to the Unity Fort Worth podcast. So today I wanted to talk about the key message that Siddhartha gave to us. And a key message that I believe Jesus Christ has given us all along as well. A message that I believe actually any religion, any spiritual path, anything that matters in a greater way of being. And it has to do with one-sidedness and unity. If we remember from last week, that last chapter when Govinda meets Siddhartha once more, Siddhartha goes into this discussion on that even that, that the one-sidedness in life cannot be it. He reflects on his own life and he realizes that whenever he believed that one thing is better over another, he missed the point. And he made it very clear that one-sidedness is not the way to be. The only way to be is unity. And so today I want to explore that a little bit more. <clears throat> Actually, I will start first by asking you what you have captured, what you remember from the last seven weeks. And I'm going to have Jesse, by the way, this is Jesse's first day of officially doing the platform chair duties. So let's give her a hand. <laughs> So Jesse will go around. You're going to be okay. And I just want to capture two or three ideas, words, concepts, anything that you remember from the last seven weeks that really resonated with you. Who will be courageous enough to raise their hand and speak into the microphones that, that everyone online can hear as well? got a lot out of last week's message about seeking and finding and how often when we're seeking, what we're looking for is right in front of us. Thank you, Adrian. Yes, instead of seeking and searching, we should start finding, right? A shift in consciousness, a shift in perception. Anyone else? And anyone online is welcome to participate too. You can just put it in the chat and our tech team will let us know. Kind of along the same lines, you know, the, where the river flows, and anytime we think we're in different parts of the river, it's still the same river. And no matter what we do, it's just being in the flow. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you, Paul. 
Who else? One more. Nicole. It's really just one word going through life. Closer, yeah. And going through the phases that we all go through. Transformation. Thank you. So you resonated with that part when he said, when he kind of used the stone, right? The parable of the stone, that the stone has the potential to be the stone as it is now, but also to be dust. And then out of that dust, he could feed a plant. And out of that plant, he could feed an animal. And even out of that dust, another animal or another human being could exist, right? It was a powerful message in understanding that whenever we meet anyone, including us, as we reflect on ourselves, we are just at this very particular time on our journey. And no matter how bad we feel about what we do and who we are and how judgmental we may be, if we can just take a moment, a glimpse of that compassion that Siddhartha developed for himself and the world, for himself and the world, and to say, I am just here right now, and I deserve to move forward and become something completely different. It's a beautiful message, right? But it's also a challenging message, isn't it? Because what does that also mean for all of us? If we allowed all of us to be that stone with all that potential, and if we allowed anyone else to be exactly the same, what does that mean? You can just yell it out. We have no longer a mic. Say again? I say it again? What does it mean that if we have all the potential that in every moment where we are, we should actually be able to love ourselves and be compassionate about ourselves and everyone because of that potential, of that potential that Siddhartha showed with the stone. The stone right then and there was just a hard stone. But often we choose to see ourselves and others just as who they are right then and there. And then we go into judgment about that, don't we? What if we learn to see each other just like Siddhartha saw that stone? Not just in that particular moment, but seeing in each other and in ourselves the potential of everything that we could be. How would that change the world? Less judgment, right? Very practical. Thank you. For sure. It would change the world so dramatically that I think a lot of the things that we're looking for in the world, like world peace, they would actually instantly happen. Second coming, yeah, a very different. Yeah, so what was just since you can't hear it, so it's uh, the example of the second coming, the way we interpret the second coming in unity. 
more closely, right? It's not just the end, it's not the end of the world, it's the beginning, actually, right? The second coming is allowing the Christ self to be fully expressed in every moment. I think with that way of thinking, what comes along is also that idea of moving from one-sidedness to unity. And I've been reflecting on this over the past few weeks because whenever I turn on the news, which I hardly ever do, thank God, um, there's a lot of division. There's a lot of one-sidedness. And regardless of what spectrum we are on, you know, let's talk politics, let's talk anything, it doesn't matter. There's always going to be something that we resonate more with than something else. And it makes it very hard to then discuss and resonate with someone who is at complete opposite of what we believe and what we resonate with. But Siddhartha is saying we need to do away with all that. We need to do away with that one-sidedness. But how are we going to accomplish that? Are we all going to drop our political convictions right away and stop voting? Is that going to be the solution? Probably not, right? But what could it be if we think about this a little bit more closely? I think one way of approaching it is like a friend of mine, what she did a few years ago, a minister, who struggled with accepting someone who is coming from a very white nationalist ideology and really heavily despised, in general, everyone who follows that, that, that ideology. And she realized that is also not the way of being for me as a minister. How can I serve someone who has such an extreme conviction that is so extreme opposite to my own conviction? And she called up someone of, someone who was officially a part of one of the hate groups, officially classified hate groups, and asked him to meet him for coffee and sit down. And she took she took it very much to heart to say, all I want to do is I want to find a way to connect. And I want to see if it's possible for me to connect. Even though I am completely and strongly and very passionately opposed to anything what that person believes in. And she shared with us that for the most part, when they were talking about their families and their friends, their ideas how the world should be, the suffering in the world and how that should end, the inequality in the world, how that should end, even the inequality, think about that, in this world, how that should end, that on the broad spectrum, without touching that one particular area, they all agreed. They both agreed. And they actually started connecting. They started connecting at such a deeper level, at the human level, where it just became so obvious 
that the differences, as extreme as they may be and as wrong we may think they are, they're still only a fraction of the opportunity that we have to connect otherwise. To drop one-sidedness is probably one of the hardest things to do. To drop our own convictions, not to give it up, not to take on someone else's, but just to drop it enough or set it aside enough so we have a chance and an opportunity to connect with someone at the human level. That is what Siddhartha is talking about. It's getting away from you and I and learning to talk in terms of we. How can we do this together? Where do we resonate with each other? Where can we find agreement rather than being so focused on disagreement? Ultimately, the Buddhist belief, the Buddhist philosophy is about embracing everything is about embracing even pain. I had a tough lesson this week about embracing pain. I chopped off a big part of my finger while trying to prepare some lunch. And even though I know exactly how to hold my finger and know exactly how to use a chef's knife, there was a moment of just carelessness and boop, almost down to the bone, there it went. I had to go to the, uh, not the ER, but the, what it's called, the urgent care. They were able to kind of like take care of it, but it was close to going to ER, and I learned a lesson in pain. <laughs> I was not happy. <laughs> and the request, I believe, that Siddhartha is making and also Jesus Christ is making in many ways is not that we are needing to suffer but learning that pain and suffering is part of it. Eventually, I was able to just kind of appreciate that nowadays, we have this wonderful technology where I could put my finger in some solution and the pain started to go away and the capillaries were just kind of closed and my bleeding stopped, you know, because it was like oozing like that, right? Couldn't, wouldn't stop and, and everything they were able to do and, she told me, the doctor told me 10 years ago I would have to burn it off, like cauterize it, the wound, and here I am. She could just put a piece of glue, some glue around it, and it's going to heal in a few months, she tells me. And I said, how awesome is that? There was pain, but there was also appreciation at the same time. The pain was still there, still is. Um, but there is an appreciation for what we can do nowadays to soften the pain and to even alter some of the outcomes that would have looked quite differently just a few years ago. And I think that lesson is so important for us to learn in all aspects. When we are hurtful to each other, which happens all the time, doesn't it? When in partnerships, relationships, communities, there's always an opportunity for us to say the wrong thing, isn't it? Inadvertently. We might not even mean it, but we just hurt someone because we were just not thinking for a moment and not remembering that they had a, 
a tough past and things like that inadvertently because we're all so busy with our daily lives, with our own self, it's so easy to hurt. But we're also just a stone, right? We're just that stone with all the potential. Yes, we have the potential to hurt, but we also have the potential to heal. A way of being that I believe the great teachers, Jesus Christ, Siddhartha, the Buddha, Muhammad, may peace be upon him, all those great teachers have realized to some degree that it cannot be that we need to stay in one-sidedness. That the only way of truly being is to do the best we can wherever we are in every moment to find the way to connect and to find that unity. A couple of weeks ago I was talking about <clears throat> the convention that I um, participated in a few weeks ago and that talk that was given on metaphysics versus mysticism, right? And I briefly mentioned that there is something there that I think we're still not getting as a unity as a whole. And I'm saying this just the way it came across to me as the talk was given, not a reflection of the person who gave the talk because I know this person quite well and believe to know that there is an other uh, sensibility behind it. But just as the talk came across, it was divisive. It was divisive in that, that among the unity ministers or the unity movement as a whole, there are those who believe in metaphysics, the understanding of what God is and how God is expressed through our lives, and then those who believe in mysticism, who say, I don't want to know any of that. I just want to feel God, right? We probably can even check it out right now in the community. Raise your hand if you're leaning more toward understanding. You want to know what God is and who you are, right? And now those of you who just want to feel God and don't think about it, now you raise your hand, right? As long as we see this as in a one-sided way, we will not get there. Because to believe that understanding is not important versus feeling, having that connection with God, feeling nature, feeling the universe, the oneness in everything, both are necessary. That's the very principle of what it means to say mother, father, God. Father, metaphysics, understanding. Mother, mysticism, feeling. Thought and feeling at the same time. Nothing shall be ever excluded. Only then we can truly realize oneness. Charles and Myrtle Fillmore were very clear on that. It's thinking and feeling nature. None of that can be done just on its own. And we all have some form of tendencies in one way or another. In certain situations, sometimes we just need to feel the presence 
the power and presence of God, because that makes us feel whole, that makes us feel as something more than we often think we are. And at other times, we just want to understand why certain things happen the way they do. The study of metaphysics introduced by Aristotle, you know, hundreds of years before the Christian teachings. In that talk, what was really interesting, you know, we took a little um, step back into the past of the very beginnings of Christianity, when it wasn't called Christianity, when it was called the way, when some of us believe the true teachings of Jesus Christ were taught that were both mystical and metaphysical that both brought the experience of being this beautiful child and expression of God in every moment and have the capacity to love even your enemies and to love even those that you despise and then to take away the one-sidedness and be so consequential about finding unity and unity alone, that was what they practiced. The disciples, obviously, they failed all the time. We see this in the stories, right? And Jesus gets frustrated with them in the stories, too. But that's just those parts in us represented as sometimes we get it and sometimes we just don't. But we all deserve the same love no matter what. We're all that stone that has the potential to be anything. So today, what we're going to do, we're going to do the sacred water ceremony. And what that is, for those of you who have never done it, it's kind of very similar to the burning bowl ceremony. And all of you should have a little piece of paper. And if you don't have a piece of paper, please raise your hand and our ushers will bring you one. You should also have a pencil. Eleanor needs a piece of paper and a pencil. And we have our ushers, Don is bringing us the water. We asked you to bring sacred water to today's service. Thank you, Don. Anyone else? We're all good? No, one more. There you go. So this is water, solvable, dissolvable paper. So don't cry too much over it, otherwise it will dissolve before you get to drop it in there. So what we're going to do, in just a few minutes, we're going to go and move into our meditation. But I want you to hold in mind Siddhartha's teaching for a moment. I want you to ask yourself, where do I experience one-sidedness? Where am I one-sided? Where could I experience more unity? And since it's a ceremony of release, what you can write down, and you don't have to write down a novel, you can just jot down like a little word is something that represents what you want to say. When you're ready, you can ask yourself, what can I do to release what's keeping me one-sided? 
to truly experience the unity of all things? It's a big ask, isn't it? So first of all, ask yourself, where do you experience one-sidedness? Within yourself, in others, whether it's politics, whether it's part relationships, where do you have things that clearly need some healing? And then you ask yourself, what can you do to release the attachment you give to that one-sidedness? And then together, what we're going to do after the meditation, I will come down here, Jesse and I will come down, and then we'll line up, and you will drop that in there, in the water, as your symbol of release for our sacred water ceremony. And at the end, as you go home, you're welcome to bless yourself with that water of release or take some of it home as a symbol of what we did today. Sounds good? Okay. So let us move into meditation. And then we're going to start us out with just a couple of readings from the book Siddhartha. Just remind you of what his teachings ultimately were, starting with his experience of awakening. Siddhartha stood still and for a moment an icy chill stole over him. He shivered inwardly like a small animal, like a bird or a hare, when he realized how alone he was. He had been homeless for years and had not felt like this. Now, he did feel it. Previously, when in deepest meditation, he was still his father's son. He was a Brahmin of high standing, a religious man. Now he was only Siddhartha, the awakened, otherwise nothing else. He breathed in deeply and for a moment he shuddered. Nobody was so alone as he. He was no nobleman belonging to any aristocracy, no artisan belonging to any guild and finding refuge in it sharing its life and language. He was no Brahmin sharing the life of, a Brahmin, of the Brahmins, no ascetic belonging to the Samanas. Even the most secluded hermit in the woods was not one and alone. He also belonged to a class of people. Govinda had become a monk and thousands of monks were his brothers wore the same gown, shared his beliefs, and spoke his language. But he, Siddhartha, where did he belong? Whose life would he share? Whose language would he speak? At that moment, when the world around him melted away, when he stood alone like a star in the heavens, he was overwhelmed by a feeling of icy despair. 
but he was more firmly himself than ever. That was the last shudder of his awakening, the last pains of birth. He immediately moved on again and began to walk quickly and impatiently, no longer homewards, no longer to his father, no longer looking backwards. If they are illusions, then I also am illusion. And so they are always of the same nature as myself. It is that which makes them so lovable and vulnerable. That is why I can love them. And here is a doctrine at which you will laugh. It seems to me, Govinda, that love is the most important thing in the world. It may be important to great thinkers to examine the world, to explain and despise it. But I think it is only important to love the world, not to despise it, not for us to hate each other, but to be able to regard the world and ourselves and all beings with love admiration, and respect. So as you take a deep breath and let those words simply move into your being, You may have already realized where your one-sidedness needs attention, where your one-sidedness is ready for the opportunity of coming together in harmony, in unity. So now pick one or more things that you can do to release what stands in the way of that unity. To give up the things you do, you think about, you feel, that stands in the way of that harmony and grace. And to forgive, more so than anything. To forgive what you can, so that you may allow the harmony to come in to your existence. And even if you cannot find the words, just trust that your experience of today, your beingness of the here and now is strong and powerful enough to move into this piece of paper to become the symbol of release, the symbol of letting go, the symbol of surrendering to the sacredness of the water, of the river, by which Siddhartha sat for so many years. To surrender that one thing that keeps you awake of true unity to the waters of the Sea of Galilee, 
upon which the disciples and Jesus traveled so often. Allow that paper to become a symbol of your readiness and acceptance, of letting it all go and accepting it all at the same time. Take a moment in deep gratitude for yourself and those who show you the way in pleasant and unpleasant ways. Breathe into your greatness, your ability to give thanks to what is and what will always be. And so it is. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Unity Fort Worth podcast. You just heard this week's message and meditation. For the live streams and more information, go to unityfortworth.org.